When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call. It is 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. It's Monday the 20th, uh, actually it's the 20th of July, and it's great to be here with you. Don't worry and don't adjust your sets. Uh, Kashi's just having a bit of a break, but uh, I think I've got safe hands to take you through this, especially when you meet the guests that I have here with me in studio. Nathan Samasandram from Blue Ocean Equities is here. Also, Gaurav Sodi from The Intelligent Investor. So it's going to be a great program, gentlemen. Um, obviously, COVID is sort of the overarching theme when it comes to markets, central bank stimulus. But we like getting really stock specific, as you know, in this program. So why don't we get right to it? Eclipse Group is our stock of the day. It is having a great session. It's up by 6% at this stage of the game, sold off that underperforming, um, what was it called, right to drive? Yeah. Business, $26.5 million. Um, Gaurav, can I start with you? Yeah, so Eclipse is a, um, it's one of these salary packaging businesses. There's four or five ones that dominate the industry. Eclipse used to be a larger participant in the industry, but it's had a bit of a lean time. Um, it's been poorly managed for a couple of years. Uh, and um, during that period, it bought a whole lot of stuff, which they are now in the process of divesting. So they've actually shrunk the business quite a bit. And there's now, I think there's two more businesses they are yet to sell until they get back to their core business of, um, of, of mm-hmm. car leasing. Um, um, I don't think the market has a great deal of faith in this company. The share price looks quite cheap. Um, the awful track record is hard to get over. But I actually think there's a little bit of value here. This is a, a quite interesting um, business for me. Um, a lot of their money actually comes from selling used cars that come off lease. It's a nice yes. profit pool for them. And as we saw from Hertz, when that does not happen, you end up with a very significant cash crunch and the balance sheet gets, gets hit. When car prices are rising again, as they are at the moment, you can actually relieve a lot of the balance sheet pressure and get cash back into the business. And to me, this is a company that no longer is interested in in running a business, it looks like a company with a big for sale sign out the front. I think after this um, divestment process is completed, you, you'll end up with a, um, a large-ish company with a decent market share. It is a sitting duck takeover for a competitor, and I expect that's the way this story will unfold. I think we'll wake up a year from now, and this is going to be um, gobbled up by one of the larger competitors. Well, CEO Julian Russell, um, by many accounts, has been doing a very good job mm. of you know going through this whole sale process transforming the business but interestingly even amidst covid they've got some tailwinds because mm. you know their new zealand business once lockdown came out has been doing quite well they're seeing lots of uh, car sales momentum we expect that to continue because we were chatting just in the break nathan about you know people are not taking public transit right now people are looking for cars and oftentimes they're looking for used car to be their second mm. or third or fourth car that's been the thematic uh, globally. Uh, multiple regions, as they open, the used car sales have picked up quite a bit. Um, 
Graf's right, the management track record pre the current one was uh, very patchy at best. Uh, the market lost interest. Um, there are a number of other stocks, and if you look at those stocks on an aggregate basis, they've all had a tough time. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, in a bus crash, everyone gets hurt, and this is what's happened to that sector. Um, and they've all came back, they've all had a bit of a bounce. They're, I suppose the outlook is still patchy. Um, it's, it's one of those ones where it looks cheap, mm-hmm. and it has been for a while, and it's been one of those value destroyers because everyone thought it was cheap and it got, yeah. just got cheaper mm-hmm. and cheaper. Um, again, yeah, management's a big thing for me and the track record has been patchy. They are turning it around and in Eclipse case, I think Graham's right. I think they are on a for sale sign um, and they are trying to make the duck look a lot sweeter by getting rid of the messy bits. Well, to be um, fair, there is a good business there. Oh, it is. It's just it been is. obscured by and lots of And I think it makes there. sense to go from about four or five players down to about two or three. Yeah, yeah I think And so. I think that's what's going to happen. It's a tough macro. Mm. Um, consumers are going to be struggling years to come. And I think that's probably where it'll end up. Um, and you know, it's you know, if you've been in a, a suffering shareholder, it's probably not a bad time to hold on. Now yeah. you've taken the pain. Um, you hold on. You assume the management will continue down the current path of cleaning up their balance sheet, getting you know, shrinking to greatness, and then get probably get swallowed up, and you'll get shares in a, a bigger player, uh, in an aggregated, and that'll probably come back in a few years. But again, don't expect uh, this to fly. But it's one where I think the turnaround most of the bad news is in the price. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because if you are a shareholder, you know, that might be a good outcome if yes, it is yes. sold for yes. the right price yes. at the right time. So if you're a shareholder though, would you be hoping that management would make it through this sort of pandemic, you know, wait for some blue sky, wait for a bit of clarity around the macro environment? Look, I think it's clear that they will get through. Um, the real danger period has already passed. As, as Nathan says, mm-hmm. um, the tra- uh, traffic is returning, car prices are firming. Um, the macro is actually looking quite favourable now. I mean, they've been a little bit fortunate, but they could use a bit of luck after the last couple of years. Um, they're fine. Okay. Uh, I think um, it will really depend on what management's um, what management really wants for this business. Do they want to be ambitious and grow it, or are they happy to to sell it to a competitor? And I would dig into management remuneration here and see how they're incentivized, because I think that's how the determination will land. <laughs> that will tell you everything you need to know. Okay. I haven't done it myself, but I think that'll give you the answer. All right, well, um, we have CEO Julian Russell on the oh, program a excellent. little bit later Terrific. on today. So uh, I'll find a polite way of putting that question to <laughs> How are you paid for that? Yeah. Um, Nathan, so this is not a buy for you, but this is a hold. Yeah, I think if you're there, you hold on. Uh, it doesn't excite me to jump in. Uh, you know what? I'm going to put my. I'm going to go buy on it. Yeah. I, I think. I, I think the takeover potential is that is is interesting enough. Um, I would. I go. It's to it's buy. it's yeah. an ugly sector. It's value. It's ugly. There's not a lot of upside oh. in the market. It's just you know, it's, it's like Christmas lights for right? Yeah, it is. It's hard to say no. <laughs> Catnip. Okay, I didn't actually ask you gentlemen how you were doing uh, when we opened the program. So I suppose I'd just like to get a thought from both of you. How you're feeling as we head toward this earnings season, Nathan? Um, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, the market's already priced in V-shared recovery. I think the odds of that is falling by the day. Um, look, the market expected Q3 to be full cylinders flying. Um, that's what's in the price. Uh, but I think we're going into restrictions. I think the numbers will fall. I think we'll see more stimulus. But we're at such elevated levels I think the risk is any kind of, um, I suppose, uncertainty the market could fall. And that's the problem. The risk return for an investor right now is perilously risky. And 
you done, you have a, le- a month where US reporting season and Aussie mm-hmm. reporting season are, um, you're going through a period where they haven't had to disclose a lot. So there's a lot of surprises that might come through. And I don't see the surprises on an aggregate basis being positive. There's a lot more negative news to play out. And I think when you price in all the positives, you have the risk that the negatives come through and hit you. So I'm very um, cautious at this point, and I'd be suggesting investors to be taking profit, staying with a bit of cash on the sideline. It never hurts. You've got to remember, in a 12-month period, you really make your returns in about three to four months, and the rest of the time you're playing defense. So this is the time when you've got to play defense because there's more uncertainty and there's very little upside. So you've got to play defense because when the time comes, you want to have the capital available to take advantage of it. And that's what showed you in March, February, March. The people who were playing defense had the capital, were able to take advantage. If you're falling, then you fall in love with this story of, oh, it'll rebound, it'll rebound, and you miss the opportunity. Um, So Gaurav, for you, Mm. I mean, if you're looking at earnings season that's upcoming, there will be, you know, hits and there will be big misses, as as, uh, Nathan says, because Mm. of the, the lack of clarity that we have and just all of the uncertainty. So does this have you rubbing your hands together, salivating? I mean, where, where are you sort yeah. of keeping your eyes trained for a, a miss that you still think might have good value in it? I would, I'm actually going to ignore earning, earnings this year. Yeah. I think this is a write-off. This is a, a one-off write-off where we can, we, it's not gonna help us understand the businesses better. It's not gonna help us extrapolate earnings into the future. This is a, a really you know, unusual event that's gonna, that the bulk of the impact is gonna be reflected in August. So I would mostly just turn away and grimace. Um, I don't think this is a time for great certainty or conviction, and that's unusual, because usually we are investors who demonstrate conviction, um, and we hold a small number of, of rather large holdings. I don't think this is the time for that, but I, I, I'm not, we're not going into cash. We're mostly, well, we've got a little, a little bit of cash on the sidelines, mm-hmm. but we're more or less fully invested. And I still think that's the right approach. We're just putting smaller allocations into each idea and, and trying to get more diversity mm-hmm. um, because a lot of strange stuff is going on and, we, and it's impossible to predict how it's going to land. But I do think that uncertainty is not should not be the time for you to panic and fear. Um, that's, that's the time, the greed, um, excess, um, a hubris, all those um, things come with the top of the market and that's the time to panic and get scared and to move into cash. There's a little bit of that going on now, but I don't think it's pandemic, well, it's a poor choice of words. I, I don't think, it's, I don't think it's, a, it's a big problem and I still think there's lots of pockets of value. Um, but I would say just be a little bit less certain and a little bit more diversified at the moment. Okay. Let's get to our uh, 10 stocks, shall mm. we? Uh, the first name comes from Robert, but it could have come from Debbie, Jack, Harry, you know, Paul, Everybody. you name it, right? Okay, Afterpay, yeah. APT. Uh, now, this is a divisive name, isn't it? Um, you know, you've got those who say you can't even value the business. Why bother? And there are those that say, uh, you know, there's new thinking versus old thinking when it comes to certain sectors of the market. Um, what camp do you fall in, Gora? I don't think it's new thinking and old thinking. I think it's um, hubris versus humility. I think well, the way you fall on this stock tells you a lot about your temperament as an investor. Too often when your opinion or an investor's opinion 
um, goes against the share price of a business. Uh, individuals tend to think that the market's crazy and wrong and they are right. And I think in my experience, when we've been, and, and look, I should say that we have got Afterpay completely wrong from day one. Um, we've got it wrong all the way up, all the way down and all the way up again. <laughs> so, so we haven't made any money on it. Um, we, we did buy a business called TouchCorp a couple mm -hmm. of years ago and, and tripled our money on TouchCorp. TouchCorp got rolled into Afterpay. We ended up holding Afterpay stock, thinking, what the heck is this Afterpay business? I don't want to hold this and it sold about $2 something. Good move. Good move, exactly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then when it started doubling and tripling, um, again, I didn't, didn't look at it, wasn't interested. Um, but then when this sort of a real fervent interest um, got built up in the stock and it started to get sort of 10 times the price we sold it, that's a key that you've got something wrong. Mm. And, um, you know, when you, and, that, and that for us was the, the key catalyst to imagine that we've got something wrong here. Um, our, our assessment has not agreed with the markets, but I think our assessment was wrong. <laughs> I think too few investors are willing to take, um, to take that examination on board. Um, I would not be buying here. I would not be selling here either. Um, I, I think there is potential for Afterpay to be much larger than it is. This is a $20, $20 billion business so far. And it may sound gigantic, but consider the market potential in front of it. PayPal is a $120, $150 billion business. And I would say the opportunity in front of Afterpay is as good as what's in front of PayPal at the moment, mm -hmm. um, if they can execute. And there's lots of optionality besides. So I would not want to um, be dismissive of, of this business at all. What, have they, what they have accomplished is astonishing. Um, I'm just sorry I, I missed the whole thing. Mm, um, you're not alone. I'm comfortable on the fence here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, well, execution has been quite flawless so far, uh, you've got to say. Uh, is execution, do you have faith in execution? Is it a 20, is it worth a $20 billion market cap in your view, Nathan? Uh, look, probably not right now. Um, it probably could be. Um, in, I mean, we, I go by the numbers, um, and it's always relative valuation. So I don't care if something is cheap or expensive. Rel I look at it relative to its sector, to mm -hmm. its history, what people are willing to pay through time. Now, after pay, in theory, is uh, it made sense up to even with the recent upgrades, you get up to about thirty-five, forty dollars. I can make it work. Um, after that, um, yeah, you're basically holding your finger up and going, "How does that work?" Basically, most of the brokers who put upgrades, they're yeah. just chasing the share price. There's, mm. there's no valuation. Mm. It's just made up stuff. Um, is it worth what it is? It could be. I don't know. But the reality is you're assuming something that it needs to deliver. So it won't make a profit for five years. So to make the multiple work, it needs to deliver perfectly. And this is very optimistic valuations here. It needs to execute perfectly for six years in a global recession. Now, if you're offering someone debt when you can't afford, when you're basically 50% of the US economy is on government can handout. If you're offering them, sure, I'll take the money. The government's giving me a check and I'll pay through that. Uh, sure, that works for a while and then that goes wrong. That is what, when the market realized, it fell to $9. Mm -hmm. Is it worth $9? It's worth more than that. That I can understand. So it was cheap then. But at $30, $40, I think it prices in. It could execute, there's a lot of risk. I do not pay this much into the forward years uh, for the multiples because it just doesn't add up in the long mm. term. CSL, when <laughs> you look at it in that way, must be worth about 200, 300 P if that's the case. So <laughs> that's the relative valuation and that's the best growth stock in the market. So 
I think Afterpay, look, I, I probably was skeptical early, but the numbers were positive, so we were on it, but got to $30, $40. I, I don't mind. At that point, I, I think we've discussed this plenty yeah, of times. Yeah, yeah. At thirty, forty dollars, I don't mind. And when it fell to nine dollars, I was not surprised. Yeah. When it bounced back to twenty, twenty-five, not surprised. So I you would I only mean. buy if there was a big pullback. You would not be buying at current levels. No. You would buy around thirty to forty dollars. Uh, I think that's where the current valuation is. So I'd want it to be in the low thirties to get into it. Okay, that's low thirties. So um, we'd call it a hold if you're already <laughs> in it. Or would you be taking profit? If I was already in it. Uh, I would take some of the profit. Okay. I'd probably cut it in half and see what happens. And if it basically, if you looked at what happened in March, if we go into another lockdown, it could collapse again. Well, we could spend all day talking about Afterpay and uh, yeah. the rest in the buy now, pay later, but we would disappoint <laughs> the rest of our viewers. I mean, I don't know, perhaps they do want to hear this nutted out, but, but you did mention CSL and that's actually mm. our next stock and that mm. is coming to us from John. So on those days that we see CSL pulling back, you know, we had a couple last week, it always pops into my mind, you know, should, is this the day to buy? Not me necessarily, but you know, is this the day to buy? Because every time I talk to guys like you, they say, if you see any sort of a pullback in sure. CSL, buy. Yeah, you get, you get a, you know, every year you get a 30, 40% pullback in CSL because it is, it is the best growth stock in our market, bar none. Now, it's also a massive currency play. It's also the biggest stock in the market. So, and when the currency moves around, it's going to have an effect. So you gotta be careful. It, CSL does not purely trade on what the fundamentals, mm -hmm. it trades on the market and the currency as well because it's the biggest stock in the market. Now, I love it, but you get the 30, 40% pullback. Now, this is one of my top 10, what I would call goats, greatest of all time. <laughs> you buy this stock and you can go to sleep knowing that it'll be around even when you're dead. So this thing is going to be doing quite well. It's well managed, everything is perfect on the numbers. Now, valuation, it is high because it's good. But it's at 280, I think it's not a bad buy. I would buy some. But my biggest worry about CSL is not because of the company, it's just the macro. At some point, I think the US dollar is gonna crack and it'll fall apart. And when it does that, and people, you know, everyone thinks Aussie dollar is gonna crack, no. Because when the US dollar cracks, Aussie dollar is gonna go ping, right? So the Aussie dollar will have a substantial move up and because of the currency play, it'll work against it. Mm -hmm. So again, it's a bit of a risky trade, but again, this is the one that I would say it's one of my top 10 stocks. I'm happy to hold it. At 280, I'll buy some. And you know, if it goes lower, I'll buy a bit more at a time. So I'm happy to buy it. I think it could get down to 250, uh, but I would buy a bit at a time on the way down. It, it's difficult to justify today's earnings on the ship, on the, on the um, valuation. But this is more than just about the multiple. Um, there are a lot of things going on here. So CSL, um, expenses um, the largest R&D budget in Australia mm -hmm. and that means more than a billion dollars gets locked off um, the P&L every year. Once you correct for that the PE comes way down. Mm -hmm. There's also so much optionality built in here. You know the, the business effectively collects blood, splits it apart and tries to find new uses for it and there's there's always the possibility of another billion dollar drug coming out of um, the blood that they're dissecting. So you've got, to, you've got to price in optionality into this business, which is something you don't do with, a, with very many big um, medical names. Um, and once you consider those things, I actually think it's not too bad up here. You know, I, I, we, when we bought it $30, I might add, which corrects for some of the afterpay errors. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's easy for me to sort of sit here and say that, but I, I, I do think that the quality of the business, the, the optionality, mm -hmm. and the way the accounting falls, 
it probably looks a lot more expensive and a lot scarier than it really is. And there's still a very long runway to go here. I, I would just caution in the short term that the pandemic is a, is, is a real problem in the US. And um, a lot of their collections, about half their collections yeah. actually come from that Mexican-American border. That they're paid for. That they're paid for. Yeah. But it's very localized as well. So um, it's going to be pro problematic for them. Mm. Um, if that border should close or if um, flows to the collections from that border point um, get interrupted somehow. Yeah. Um, so there's a short term... Or the virus itself just makes it impossible, you know, for yeah. people to get out and, and give and get paid for it. Yeah. Way. Okay. That would be a great opportunity to buy. And I just, I just caution that's a possibility. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll watch that one. Um, okay. So that's CSL. Now our next stock on the list, it's a request coming from Gavin is Dicker Data. So DDR is the ticker code there. IT distribution business, $1 billion in first half revenue. I spoke with the CEO and founder, David Dicker, mm. and look, he was just saying, well, first of all, when I asked him if COVID was a tailwind, he said, uh, no, we would have got there anyways. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and he's also very focused on taking this company multinational. Yeah. Is, is that possible? Is that the big opportunity here? We've, we've looked at this many times over the years and every time we've walked away just scratching our heads. This is actually a remarkable business. There's a lot going on here and I, I don't understand this company, to be honest. Um, well, that's I, good because it's an <laughs> IT distribution business and I still sometimes wonder exactly what that means. Well, what they do is that they effectively outsource um, working capital to other big businesses. They move boxes around for other companies so yeah. that they don't have to take all the equipment and box moving inventory working capital onto their own balance sheets. Okay. So they effectively hold sort of $500 million of working capital so other companies don't have to do it. Now, that is not a great business. That's a poor business model. Their gross margins are 9% gross margins 9%. We invest in one business where the gross margin is 80%. Oh. And most gross margins are 20 to 30%, right, in a business. I don't know how they generate the returns they generate. My only explanation is this is an exceptionally well-managed business, arguably one of the best-managed business on the ASX. Um, and you, it's very hard to recognize. It only really shows up in the numbers. For example, inventory turn is extraordinary. That's a measure of um, efficiency of moving things around their supply chain. They are capable of turning the inventory around so fast, which you need to do when you're working on very thin margin. Net profit margins of 3% and without much debt still lead to um, double digit returns on equity. It's just a very well managed business doing a very um, low value add, grinding, difficult task. I find it difficult to buy this because the quality of the business is not great, but the management is so good They've made um, they've made a mozza out of doing this, and, and I think it's probably a buy at these levels. It's only on twenty times earnings. It's, if they do it overseas, there's a lot of a lot that can go right for them. Um, interestingly, the CEO does not collect a salary. He only gets paid with the dividends from um, mm -hmm. the business itself, which I find extraordinary as well. So I actually really like this business. I have a lot of admiration for the CEO. I don't think I have the, the guts to buy it <laughs> yes. because it's not a very strong um, economically in terms of business economics. It just works on magic and the CEO holds the wand. Well, it's interesting because I, I, I asked David about the payout ratio for shareholders and he again sort of shut me down pretty hard and said, yeah, well, I'm a shareholder, so yeah. yes, we'll be paying that Insiders, that out. Um, Nadine owns 70% of this business. They are yeah. very well incentivized and I think uh, the two c numbers that matter most here, probably the rate of insider ownership 
and um, that return on equity. I think that tells you a lot. Uh, look, it, it's a good business. Um, in the context how well it's managed, grabs right. It's really well managed. You can buy different IT businesses that fit the different criteria of where Digadata plays in. You can buy a ride for Technology One and a few others and merge to create this business. So they've done really well when each of those parts are not as well valued in other businesses, but they've managed to do it and execute it really well. Um, it always turns up on a yield play, which is kind of scary for what it is. It is, I agree with and, that, and yes. It's been turning up on my screens as a yield play for years, mm. and I always go like, what the hell is this? Yes. And then I'm gonna find out. And so I've looked yeah. at this a number of times, and every time I go, no, nah, no, nah, I can't do that, can't do that. And then you kind of realize how well, but they've executed really well. The problem being is, it is, as Gaurav said, the good and the bad is because there's a substantial part of the shares are held by certain people, it's illiquid. Yeah. So if you're a fund manager, you're not going to get, get in too far because you just can't get out. Uh, so that problem becomes good and bad because you, if you back the management, you can get in over time and build it and do well with management. But if it goes wrong, hey, I kiss your uh, backside because it's, you won't yeah. be able to get out. It's not that cheap when you're pricing that risk. Mm. And also when they're trying to grow in a different region, it always, you know, alarms go off in my data sets because their history is really good. As you said, they're running a low margin, really well executed business in a particular region. When they go to other places, there's a lot of uncertainties and a lot of other things come into play. And that raises the risk. So again, am I jumping into buy it here? No, I'm not. But if they go outside, I would wait for it to execute and see how the data comes out, and then I would jump in. Because I, I like the management, I like what they've done. If they're doing something different, then I wanna wait to see the execution. There's a good chance that this is still mispriced because professional investors, usually the way they invest is they have a list of rules, they look for companies that, that match those rules and they mm -hmm. tick boxes. This breaks every rule. Yeah. Um, and like the great businesses in the world aren't rule followers, mm -hmm. they actually break all the rules you're supposed to follow. Yeah. And, and this falls into that if, if you yeah. if you If you are an investor who backs management, you know, it's Macquarie Telecom, yeah, you mm. know, there's, there's a few of those that you just go, yeah, you just buy that stock and don't worry about it. You just sit back and you go, you know, the Bevan Slattery type methodology, you just buy whatever he buys and you just sit back and ride it. You know, if that's the case, hey, you've done well. But it just doesn't, for me, that it's, it's about the data and the, the data here for the liquidity it has in the market where we are sitting, it doesn't stack up. Okay, well, I'm going to then, just for my producer, I'll skip the next stock, go to Pointera, 3DP mm. is the ticker code for that one. It is a, uh, a request that's come in from Will, and because you brought up Bevan Slattery, why yes. not? We're, we're rule breakers around here. I'm gonna go to the <laughs> next stock and I'll return anyways. I've got a list. Um, so would you be buying Pointera just on the pure fact that Bevan Slattery is really yeah. a believer? Look, it's, it's one I've been actually keeping an eye on because it's quite quirky. It's mm. quite unique tech and I'm a geek, so I don't have an issue with <laughs> yes, that. Yes, he is. <laughs> I don't have an issue with that. Uh, I think it's quite interesting. Oh, what wow. they're doing is something that I actually like. Um, so this is something that I have been keeping an eye on. It is a micro cap, you know, it, you know those kind of things come with it. But Bevan Slattery obviously jumping in gives it a huge vote of confidence. That's what you're um, seeing at that uh, yeah. far right of the screen look, there. Would I be chasing here? Um, look, the market at the moment, NASDAQ is trading at, you know, so thin you need to carry an oxygen tank. Um, <laughs> so the reality is I think NASDAQ will come back um, and probably some of these techs will come back and this will probably get hit. If it comes back, it's one to buy. I wouldn't be buying too much. I'd buy a small portion 
and put it in the drawer and back bear and slattery and sit, sit back and watch. It is uh, a te tech data platform, so it's data as a service. We talk a lot about software as a service. Data as a service, it takes 3D data sets, uses AI and machine learning to actually turn those data sets into information. All of this 3D data is living in the cloud now, so it's taking things from desktop into the cloud. Do you like the story? Bevan Slattery aside. <laughs> Look, it's a really interesting service, um, a, a promising idea because there's, think about the volume of 3D data that's now available, especially as um, 3D imagery becomes more standardized on um, iPads, iPhones, um, and, 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 and laptops. Um, to be able to monetize that and to be able to create data out of it is a really important function. And um, a head start in that area is going to be really, really vital. These guys are already market leaders. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very small, unprofitable industry, but I doubt it's going to stay that way. This is what I would call intelligent speculation. I think there's a good idea here. Um, management are well incentivized. They appear to know exactly what they're doing and have a plan. Mm -hmm. But it's difficult to invest when the business model and the economics are so um, unknown. Um, so th this is a, a decent stab, a decent punt, and I wouldn't blame people for taking the, the it. Biggest, but we don't. The um, biggest go commodity better. over the next ten to twenty years is data. Yeah. I forget. The, you would say that, wouldn't no, you? I, I, I live on it. I have been for <laughs> 30, twenty-five odd years. Um, but it's massive. People do not understand the thematic of change that's playing. Mm. A number of my, uh, you know, uni friends all went into telcos around Asia, and the biggest thing they told me over the last 10, 15 years is. You know, all the telcos tell, sell you all these packages, forget about all those packages, it's all about data, mm -hmm. right? The rest is irrelevant, it'll just get packaged out. Now, once you, once you play in the data space, it's everyone talks about big data and deep data. So there's a lot of data, everyone collects data, but most of them have no idea what mm -hmm. to do with it. They have it for presentation, all these funky charts, but yeah. they have absolutely no idea. So the guys who can take the data sets and make it into an intellectual signal that people can use, easily digest, have a huge upside going forward. So is this the answer? I don't know, but this potentially has, has the potential to become one of the answers. And so this is so early in the game and people are still trying to find out how it plays. I mean, I spend my life playing with data and how you create that into a digestible piece. Mm -hmm. He's uh, real fun at parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I can do this all day. Uh, but so that, that's the, the whole upside. So you're buying something that's very early in the dynamics mm -hmm. So, you know, it's one of those things where I remember five, six years ago, mobile advertising. I went in and it tripled and I got out. Jeez, it's gone like 30 times since then. But it's one of those things. It's very early in the stage. So I'm more than happy to buy some, mm -hmm. but it's really high risk. But, you know, it's something that someone else with much better cred credibility yeah. like Benjamin Slattery is putting a bit of money in. So it's worth the price. He's putting money in because it's uh, currently working with the mining and oil and gas space, mm -hmm. telcos as well, but it's looking to expand its market. It's also pushing into the US. So those funds are being used to really develop that North American market when it comes to not just you know, development on the um, tech side, mm -hmm. but also on the sales side as well. So yeah, that's that's one to watch, Pointera. Yeah. But the data, the beauty of it is, I can keep on, uh, the data Don't is- Don't get him sat on data, what have you done it the to, <laughs> You can actually put it to any sector. And, uh, yeah, you that's can do sports thing. betting, you can anything, do anything. We've got anything. a great interview on our website uh, with the CEO of Pointera. Um, and you can find that just by going online. But he mm. talks about some of those other opportunities that do exist. And he said that's where Bevan really sees, yes. you know, the future. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're just nutting away. They've been around for five years. Mm. You know, they listed back in 2016. I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting story. Um, we get to our next question. This is coming from Scott. So this is on Advanced Nanotech, ticker code ANO. It makes a zinc sunscreen. Yeah. It's looking to make an 
antimicrobial hand, face, and body moisturizer. I get the feeling it might be jumping on the COVID bandwagon. <laughs> what do you think, Nathan? Yeah, actually, we've followed this a while um, because in the early days when they started to get some traction on the sunscreen, um, I think that's a pretty big product. Yeah. It, they've had a lot of good news come out. They've been, uh, you know, the product innovation and the kind of contracts they've been able to do has seen the share price run hard. I think we were looking at it somewhere around a couple of bucks, and then it went to like six, seven dollars. There's a fair amount of the upside was priced in. It was, it. I like it, but the fact that I think it ran out of use for a period of time, mm -hmm. and now, you know, just about everyone from winemakers to brewers are going into hand sanitizer. So, it's just become the thing to do. Uh, if you've got chemicals, why not? Uh, and so that kind of tells me that, you know, it's time to take your money and come back later. Um, there's a fair amount of it is in the price. It's it's a small cap stock and it's had such a huge run. So look, I like it. I think the, the original product is great. I think it's quite powerful. But the question is where you are in the price. I think you've got to be a bit careful. And there was a bit of drama yeah. around its listing. Shares yeah. were suspended for a very long mm. time. Does that give you, you know, regardless of this sunscreen, which we all need and use, does mm. it give you pause for thought, Gaurav? Yep, that alone, uh, would, I would not touch it at any price because of that. I do not trust management. They have just look very promotional, almost unstable. The way the interactions with the ASX are just bizarre. Um, you just don't need that. Um, the product itself looks really interesting. So the, the WHO, I think it was, came out last year and, and said that the existing, I think it's zinc something, the existing pigment in yeah. in um, conventional sunscreens is potentially toxic. Um, so they these guys provide a, a genuine alternative to that that is, is proven to work and there are a whole lot of replications for other um, procedures as well. So it's, it's a great product, but the management thing, like I, we do not, no one should invest alongside management who takes up unnecessary fights. Um, you know, straddles that line between um, being cheeky and being... Rogue. Rogue. Good choice of words. Better than I was going to say. Mm, okay. <laughs> I'll leave it there. All right. Okay. We'll leave that there then. Mm. And that ticker code was A-N-O. I am... It's time to wrap up what we've just been speaking of, I'm being told. So, uh, stock of the day is a buy from Gorav, which was Eclipse Group. Um, both gentlemen agree that there is a for sale sign on this business. And I don't think that uh, Nathan was necessarily a buy, but he was a hold to see what would come through. Mm. Afterpay. So this is this is a tough one, of course. Mm. Um, Gorav, you're in the hold camp, though. You've missed out on this one. Um, Nathan Samasandram is saying that valuation is just, you know, too tricky. And the current value is anywhere between 30 and $40. If there was a a blip in the market if there was a sell down Nathan you'd be buying but it wouldn't be unless it was in the low 30s um, CSL buy buy um, we could go into all the details but basically it's a great company although you would be more looking at around 280 yeah. to be buying. Oh, 240 240 yeah. okay all right um, Dicker data so this is an interesting one uh, Gorov has been scratching his head at this one for quite some time but it continues to perform and at these levels he thinks it's uh, probably a pretty good buy mm. um, sorry Nathan can't get his head around it it is not a buy and part of the problem <laughs> is that it's very illiquid so if you get into this one and something goes wrong you may not be able to get out 
quickly or easily, but both agree that, that management has ecu executed very well so far. And the big test will be if they do become multinational, as they so desire to find out you know, exactly how that goes. Um, then we went on to, we went on to Pointera. So that's that 3D data cloud storage tech platform. <laughs> Did that all right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Gaurav thinks that it's a pretty decent punt. You know, the technology is there, the demand for data, demand for cloud, um, but probably wouldn't be betting the house on it. But, you know, worthwhile putting a bit of money in if you have it. Paraphrasing, but I think that oh, might so be far. it. Yep. All right. And um, look, Nathan says that he's not chasing this one here. But um, it does become a buy if there's a pullback. And given the environment that we're in, given all of the uncertainties, there very likely could be a pullback in a company like this. And in that case, you would be buying a oh, small I, I bit. Think yeah, I think it's a good punt. Yeah, okay. So, you know, we know a lot of you out there don't mind taking a little bit of a punt. ANO is the ticker code. Um, that is for advanced nanotech. Originally a good product, sunscreen, zinc, uh, you know, an alternative to some of the products that potentially could be toxic. But um, Grove says he wouldn't touch it at any price, and that is because of management being unstable and um, roguish. potentially roguish. <laughs> and uh, yeah, mm. Nathan, although he was interested by this company at one time, if you're in it, it's time to Just sell. Take some money out. Take some money out. Um, so that is where we sit halfway through the program. Uh, just a reminder that coming up this afternoon on The Pulse, so the program after this, is CEO of Whisper, Jeremy Wells. The company's shares have surged off the back of a fourth quarter update, revenue increasing over 35%. So if you'd like to catch that interview, you can do so at 1.50 p.m. Eastern Time. Both of you guys were nodding or making some sort of sound. So you know the company? Uh, we've actually just been looking at Whisper, okay. and um, yeah, it's great. Um, I'll be tuning in for that. I'll be okay. really interested in that. And uh, Yeah, they're pretty close to break even. The macro is good. Obviously, restrictions, lockdown, thematic is going to be played out for at least a few months, and this this will get a lot of airtime. So, uh, look, I think it's uh, it's not cheap. It's had a good run, but you know, over the next couple of months, I don't think it's going to come back. I think it's going to go higher. It's just a lot of competition for them. Yes. Um, there's lots of other companies doing what they're doing. I, I'd, I'd just like to know what's very unique about them and, and how they go about selling and marketing their products. So I was going to say, what would you ask in. the CEO? Yeah. <laughs> As I have done a few times with Gaurav and Nathan. So I'm going to be speaking to so-and-so. What would you yeah, ask? I, and uh, always very generous. I think that all of these stories, mm. the biggest thing is, are you getting traction? Are you getting traction with sticky clients? And, you know, no one's sticky like governments in trouble. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's the, mm. the right stock at the right time. So it's got to do well. And they've started to get traction. And that's the big thing. Okay. So that's Whisper CEO coming up at 150. Now let's get back to the stocks that you would like the gentleman to comment on. Mm. And uh, our sixth Jim. stock is sent by Tanya. And she's asking about Money Me Corporation. So we're back to the automotive space. This is finance. So it's to buy and to maintain vehicles in Australia and New Zealand. The ticker code is MNY. So again, is this just a, you know, tailwinds coming from the macro thematics? No, there's something else going on here. This okay. has been, um, this is a really interesting business. This is um, mostly auto finance. They've, they've changed their model over the years. They've tried a few different um, industries where they do the same basic thing, lend money. Um, but and now they've kind of settled on auto finance, which they've been doing for a little while, and they've been doing it very well. And there are a lot of attractions to that, primarily because it comes with a asset that has um, monetary value. So you're lending against an asset value, which is easy to value, which is liquid, um, and you can possess quite easily. Mm -hmm. So it, it lowers the risk 
for the lender um, to go into this sort of activity. They've built up a very large market position and they appear to be doing it very profitably. The danger with these businesses is that you register, you count all the revenue and the profits up front and all the problems go way down the line. So a business that looks very successful early on, you just never know until years later how well they've been writing their revenue. Because a business like this can basically write as much revenue as it wants, depending on which, who it wants to lend to and how much it wants to lend. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, uh, there's a lot of discretion here. And, and as an outsider, we will never know. That's probably why it trades on very low multiples. And, and I would say that's entirely appropriate. So this looks, if you're just a, a, someone who just looks at numbers, all the numbers look fantastic um, here. But I would caution that the way that, because the way the business works, as I explained, mm -hmm. everything you collect up front and you pay for way, way down the line, I would suggest that's appropriate. So, so this is not a buy. This is not a buy. This is, I'd be holding this. It's yeah. okay. There's nothing wrong with this business. It's perfectly fine. But, you know, um, I, I just think there's a lot more embedded risk here mm -hmm. than, um, than people realize. And you're accepting um, a lot more variability than is obvious today. Nathan, buy, hold, sell. Um, it's a sell. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, this is a very well run consumer finance business and you're in a recession. Jeez, um, when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's basically a very well run business, but it's a consumer finance. Mm. And at the end of the day, you've got a substantial part yeah. of the global economy, especially even in Australia, gets a check from the government. Yeah. At some point, that's going to diminish and then get cut off because the government at the moment is running credit card debts that they can't pay for decades. So when that happens, there's a aha moment and the stocks have had a bounce from the bottom, yeah. all of them and I don't think they can hold that. So I think in the shorter term, there's probably more downside risk. Okay, hold in a sell for that. So the next company is Orbital Corporation. And this is a question that's come to us from David. I love it when I have to go look up a company, you know, <laughs> yes. and it's been around for 35 years mm. after listing on the ASX, um, five decades after being founded. So it's an engine, an orbital engine that was developed by its founder, um, but it's now moving in to drones and it's getting these defense contracts. Yes. So Interesting stuff. Propulsion engine. Yeah. I love those words. It's like laser weapons. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I love those kind of, because it's unique, right? It's a, it gets my attention because you just can't get enough data to analyze a lot of these sectors. But the one thing that I can tell you is every stock that has a defense tilt to it has yeah. done really True. well in the last couple of years. Now, this is one that's been, you know, uh, overnight success over five to ten years. Yeah. Um, so it's been there. It's been running the whole thematic of you know 3D printers, 3D, um, the whole um, I suppose laser, um, all of these defense type things and you know parts drones. and all of those drones. All of those have been played out, and everyone knows this is going to add value in a number of different ways. Yeah. So this kind of plays into it. Um, again, they you know it's all about traction. Mm -hmm. They're getting. Uh, relationships, they're getting contracts being done. So that's kind of gets it going. Um, again, high risk, but I think it's interesting. I, I, just, I never walk away from defense linked stocks because they've got some random thing going on. Whenever they come up with funky words, you've got to have a look at it. And the key thing for me is traction, people are getting deals, and when the music stops, these things can come back hard. So you don't want to put a lot in it, but I think it's worth a small part, uh, but it's high risk. OEC, ticker code graph. Yeah, I'd never heard of this. I had to look it up yeah. as, as you did. Um, uh, look, I don't know, Nadine. Yeah, um, okay. <laughs> um, one framework we use um, when we're looking at businesses is, do I want, would, if someone offered me um, 
the whole business, would I be willing to buy it? Because mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. You're buying a fractional ownership of the business. Yeah. Would you be willing to buy the whole thing? It's a business that's been around for what, decades. It's done nothing for 20 years. Do I really want to buy this? No, not really. Yeah, is something um, going to change? Yeah, is something going to change? Yeah. It looks like they've just stuck their fingers in lots of different pies. Look, it, something might happen, but something might happening when for 20 years nothing has happened. That's a lot different to something like Afterpay where they've collected hundreds you know, tens of millions of customers mm -hmm. um, and there's a big opportunity, then you can start saying, well, something might happen. Yeah. But no, this, okay. is, this is not interesting. Yeah. AGL, <laughs> so this is a household name, this one. Um, this is a question coming to us from Simon. Hello, Simon. Um, mm. Brokers love to hate this one. Yeah, and I, I put myself in that camp. Okay. One of the rare occasions where I, I line with the brokers. Um, I, I would say first off the bat, this is actually a well-managed business. A lot of companies that earn our ire um, and our, our sell ratings are actually poorly managed, mm -hmm. not the case here. I think it's quite well managed. Um, but they just got a difficult task ahead of them. It's a, it's a vertically integrated business model. So they um, generate power and they s retail um, energy um, to, to consumers. And historically, that linkage has been extremely profitable. So you have a long history of, of good returns here. But um, everything has changed. Uh, a period of very high power prices has meant that consumers have suddenly become a lot more picky about changing their power providers. Go back 10 years and um, churn rates in energy retail were very low, mm -hmm. um, particularly here in Australia, some of the lowest churn rates in the world. Now, Australia has the highest churn rates in the, in the world, specifically Victoria has the highest churn rates in the world, um, approaching 25%. So it, it, the situation has completely yeah. reversed. It's very expensive to capture customers and keep them now. It destroys the economics. That's on the retail side, on the generation side. Solar panels have ruined the, yeah. um, the economics of generators. About half of, a quarter of generation of a generator's profit will come from about 36 hours of operation. And that's usually in the height of summer when everyone turns the air conditioners on. Mm -hmm. At the height of summer, there's an awful lot of sunshine and the solar panels get switched on and lower the peak energy prices. Okay. So it's like taking Christmas away from a retailer. Um, it's flattened the earnings potential of the generation fleet. So the, the two planks of this business have both been savaged. They've done a nice job of trying to maintain what they can, but it's very hard from here. Okay, so, so sell. Um, it's ugly, so I like it. Um, it's, it's cheap on a relative <laughs> basis. What does that mean? Because yeah. I think you like, anyway. Yeah, it's, it's ugly because the, the sector's got problems, yeah. as Grove may explain. Um, I think the, the management is pretty good at evolving, um, but I think that's already in the price. I think the, every broker hates it, yeah. and they've downgraded mm. it for years, um, so that's not a real surprise. Um, you know, when they say environment is tough, nobody's going to be shocked by it. Mm -hmm. So the, I think the bad news is already in the price. Mm. Um, if it was in a fair value, in, in a long-term multiple, I'd expect it to be trading around 22 to 25. So it's not expensive, it's not even fair value, it's cheap because of it. It pays a decent yield. Um, it's a bit like, you know, it kind of reminds me of Telstra. It's, it's the one that just looks like a disaster zone. And then everyone yeah. buys everything up and then suddenly Telstra runs because it's got a dividend Which has been happening. And they're gonna probably split out the infrastructure assets. So, you know, there's the upside in AGL. I, I, I don't think it's that bad. I it's think if you buy it, it's a hold. I think it's probably not gonna go down too far. And if the market falls over, is not going to fall over that much. So in that context, I think it's not a bad defensive play. It's not the one that's going to shoot the lights out. Yeah, in. okay. And the uh, next question is coming to us from Joram, is about Adairs. And again, this is one of those big thematics that we've seen through COVID. 
you know, if you're a retailer and you can sell online, then you've done pretty well. Mm. Um, but is there a limit to how many sheets and towels and little house things that we need, Gaurav? Well, this was a, a, a good retailer before COVID as well. This is not a business that's just suddenly come alive because of COVID. We actually mm. looked at this when it listed and we didn't participate because um, it came out of PE for, for one thing and it came out with 15% EBITDA margins, which for us, most retailers would struggle with that profit mm -hmm. range. So we thought there was some fiddling going on with private equity. They've actually maintained that, um, that, that profit margin mm -hmm. over time. And it suggests that there's, um, there's a good retailer here. Um, we don't own it, don't, um, haven't recommended anyone buy it, but I would say it's a good retailer and the price looks quite attractive. So uh, look, if it's, I don't know why we don't, we're not really looking, I suppose, <laughs> at this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, retailers are very hard. You can't just look at the PE multiple and, and look at margin and decide, yeah, I'll go buy this. You have to do a lot of um, digging, especially in the accounts, because there's a lot of way to fiddle the accounts of retailers. So um, you would hold this if you have it? Uh, look, I, I would hold this if I had it. And um, before buying, I would do a lot of work. Um, but look, it's superficial. Can I, can I make that up? You can do that. Okay, cautionary buy. A CB. Retailer. Retailer overall, um, caution. Um, yeah. So the, there's, there's been winners and losers, and this is one of the winners. Uh, they've executed really well. Um, they were good before, but it has a trading range. So I would say you'd want to be buy, buying it uh, probably in the mid dollar, dollar uh, fifty, dollar sixty range. Um, it's a trading range stock because I think there's a risk, obviously, as Gaurav was saying, with the, the, the overall economy as well. You put all of that together, you shouldn't be paying a premium for a lot of these retail yes. stocks. So right now you're at that level where risk return is just not a lot. So for me, it's probably more risk right now. But if it gets down to around the 150 range, I'm a buyer. I think it's well managed. Some of the retail stocks we like, Acelia, AHY, mm -hmm. um, LaVisa, that's having a bit of a pullback. I'd go in that City Chic, mm -hmm. uh, Temple and Webster, mm -hmm. Super Chi, Super Retail. I think that's a great business. All I of these also wonder are, with some of these businesses, Adairs is one of those things that even if you don't have a lot of money, extra yeah. cash, you know, and you want to do a little bit of a refresh, mm. make yourself feel a little bit better, you know, mm. that's the type of thing that you sure. could potentially start. And, 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 and I think you can see by the share price, the ones that can execute have actually bounced right back. Yeah, yeah true. The ones that haven't, mm. haven't. And so don't go for the one that hasn't because that's going to have more problems. Okay, so we need to squeeze one more in or I'll be in big trouble from yeah. the big boss. But uh, the last uh, <laughs> okay. tenth stock that we're getting to is Big Tin Can Holdings. This yeah. is from Alexander. So yeah. again, a company that I had to look up. Do you know it? Yeah, it's a 5G play, good management. Not cheap. No, no, it's not five uh, G play. You're thinking something else. This is the um, oh, sorry, the sales yeah, internet of everything. Yeah. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah. internet of everything. But they're very good management. But it's priced for that. I, I don't think it's uh, from memory. It's bounced right back up. Um, yes. So I I wouldn't be chasing big tin can here. Um, it is again the same tech thematic. Everyone's bought every tech stocks. Most of them have bounced back if they're any good quality. Mm -hmm. And I, I would be waiting for it to pull back. I, I do like it, um, but I think you kind of want to be uh, buying it with a bit of a discount for the smaller caps because you still have to buy. I'll tell you two that I think uh, underestimated in the tech space um, is Ordinate and Vista Group. They're two platform tech stocks and it's been, you know, they, they have obviously with the lockdown and the restrictions, they're going to get beaten up. 
when it does clear out, when the air clears out, those two will be the ones to buy. I think those two are platform growth stocks. Well, maybe we'll make that our stock of the day uh, next time you're in either of those groups uh, so we can delve a little bit deeper in them. Big tin cans, so I think from, from what I get, it's software that sales people sales use. Sales that's right. Uh, yeah, so it's, 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 think of it like a plug-in to Salesforce. Okay. Uh, and you can use it to, it pulls in um, data from lots of different pieces of software and it allows salespeople to have everything they need in yeah. one go. Um, apparently it lifts um, sales per person, mm -hmm. so it, it's used as an add-on. Um, it, it's been very successful. We had a bit of a look at it and saw all sorts of red flags all over it, and I would, I would suggest avoiding this one altogether. Okay. We've written a full report about this, um, which you have to pay for to get, but uh, it, <laughs> the result of that was um, uh, no, sell, um, and uh, big warning lights on it. Wow, mm -hmm. you've uh, tempted me. I'll get that <laughs> subscription um, renewed there, Cora. Okay, let's go through some of those most recent stocks that we covered. Um, Money3, MNY. Um, that is a hold for Gorav. He says, watch out for some risk, though. Looks good, but uh, you know some problems could be down the road. Uh, Mathan says that it's a sell. We're in a recession. It's consumer finance. What are you thinking? MNY is the ticker <laughs> code there. OEC. Um, look, uh, it's Orbital Corporation. Gorav says, I don't know. It's just uh, perhaps not worth the risk. Uh, Nathan says, look, it can be interesting, especially because it's leveraged to some of those uh, defense thematics, um, but it would be a punt. It's high risk. There's your warning. AGL is a sell from Gorav. It's a, um, a hold, though, I think, from Nathan because it's got the yield. It's got good management. Everybody else hates it. It's ugly, so there's got to be something in there for him. Um, Adairs is a buy from Gorav. Um, it's a good retailer. Retailers are hard, uh, but it's a cautionary buy. Cautionary buy. We yes. made that up. CB. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna trademark that one. Um, we've got uh, Nathan saying that look, it is a buy, but it has to be in that one fifty, one dollar one fifty range. It has been a winner as far as retailer goes, but it's not one that you chase. It's one that you only buy if you want to be in a retailer around that price. And uh, big tin can that is a, it's a red flag. It's uh, it's not worth going near, according to Gorav, intelligentinvestor.com.au. I think you can go to and oh, you nice. can uh, Thank you, read about that one. <laughs> All right, and uh, yeah, Nathan says don't chase this one. He says there's good management, but everything's been priced into that one, so there's no need to go into big tin can. Uh, that takes us pretty much to the end of the show. So that was 10 stocks plus one stock of the day, Eclipse Group. Nathan, always a pleasure. Thank you so much from Absolutely. Blue Ocean Equities. Nathan Samasandram, Gaurav Sodhi, Intelligent Investor. Excellent. Appreciate your time and your insights, and I know our audience does as well. If you have any stocks you'd like us to cover, flick us an email. We do honestly try to get to them all. There's a lot of them that come in. It's the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet to us, TV. Um, and if you are looking for your next investment opportunity, make sure you're watching Startup Daily from 2 p.m. to find out all the latest companies in the startup ecosystem. Uh, Aaron Wolf is one of them. He's from Trendy. It is simplifying the online shopping process. Might be a company you'd like to get into. That's from 2 p.m. right here on AusBiz. And uh, we've got a great program lined up after this very short break. Don't go anywhere.